at the minimum, what every writer needs to do is turn off every single one of those doggone notifications. Yeah. You don't want them on your computer and you don't want them on your phone. If there's one thing you do after you listen to this, if they've crept back in because you updated your hmm. operating system or you've got a new computer, go turn them off now. I don't care how hard it is to find them. <laughs> Hey there, and welcome back to The Writer Files. I am your humble host, Kelton Reed. And in part two of this file, the bestselling author and creativity coach, Jennifer Loudon, returned to talk with me about her twisty career path, the wicked feedback loop of procrastination, how to find your voice, and innovative solutions for getting unstuck and back to writing. Jennifer has been a professional writer since the early 90s and is considered a personal growth pioneer. Her first book, The Woman's Comfort Book, was the bestseller that launched her career, and she's since published six additional books with over a million copies in print in nine languages. The author is also an international speaker and educator on the subject of self-care and has written a column for Martha Stewart Magazine, been quoted by author Brene Brown in not one but two of her books, been profiled in dozens of major magazines, and appeared on hundreds of TV and radio programs, including Oprah. In addition to writing books, Jennifer is also an entrepreneur who teaches writing, creativity, and self-care retreats that regularly sell out. She's created a large online community that touts, whether you're a novelist, essayist, artist, or thought leader, her mission is to help you write more, share your ideas more boldly, and make your creative work a priority. And just a quick note that this episode of The Writer Files is brought to you by the inspiring team at Author Accelerator. You know that book idea rattling around in your head? Well, now's the time to take it seriously. And working with an Author Accelerator book coach is the best way to write forward. Author Accelerator book coaches give writers feedback, accountability, and support while you write so that you can get that idea out of your head and onto the page. And if you think book coaching sounds like a gig you'd like to do, many authors and copywriters have the exact skill set needed to become great book coaches themselves, including managing a project, and understanding that creative process. Author Accelerator offers intensive book coach training and masterclasses so you can add this premium service to your own arsenal. Writers can just head over to authoraccelerator.com slash writerfiles for more info and get the free seven-day writing challenge to start mapping out your own book. That's authoraccelerator.com slash writerfiles. Then in part two of this file, Jennifer and I discussed why writers don't need to freak out when they get derailed. How to recenter and tap back into your creative well. The reasons writers lose their way trying to be commercial. Why Jennifer decided to self-publish her next book. How to overcome negativity bias and other tricks your brain plays on you. And why you can't wait until you feel inspired or comfortable to write. And if you missed the first half of this show, you can find it in the archives at writerfiles.fm and you can find the last 100 episodes on apple podcasts or wherever you tune in and in the show notes stay tuned the writer files is brought to you by my friends at copyblogger.com words that work build your online authority with powerfully effective content marketing get superior content marketing education so you can build a remarkable online presence authors, bloggers, journalists, online publishers, and entrepreneurs 
Head over to copyblogger.com to learn more. That's copyblogger.com. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click subscribe to automatically see new interviews as soon as they're published and leave us a rating or a review over on Apple Podcasts to help other writers find us. What are the deeper reasons why I'm not getting my writing done? And Mm -hmm. what I find for a lot of the people that I work with, which may not be true for your audience at all, is they're really afraid of being seen. Interesting. They're really afraid of being, uh, they're being, yeah, of, of, of coming out and saying, I don't care what genre, it does not have to be memoir or personal essay. It can totally be fiction, but, or, or self-help business, whatever. They're afraid of coming out and saying, this is what I believe. This is what I'm interested in. This is what, these are the characters I'm turned on by. And so they obfuscate either in their writing and or in not getting to it. Um, and I quite, I find it quite fascinating to watch Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> and at times incredibly maddening. And I just have to like, okay, wow. Hmm. <laughs> Got to keep offering you different ways to get into that until something clicks at that adaptive level, the observer, the, the way that you observe, um, this passion, this desire to express something. Um, and I think be, part of the reason that being seen thing comes up is so, I, I, again, I work exclusively with women and women have been, you know, been a f- told and in so many different ways and shown in so many different ways, it's not safe to be seen. Yeah, that's interesting. And I, and I would be interested to put that theory to the test, um, you know, with a male audience as yeah. well, because in, in truth, I think young men are raised to be you know tough or mm-hmm. ma- macho or to have a stout chin and, and and you know i don't know what i'm trying to say but you know there is that there's different reasons why they might be afraid to be seen sure and i'm not just talking about like toxic masculinity i think mm-hmm. um which is absolutely a problem but just uh yeah how how were you raised what what did your dad say to you maybe that uh isn't allowing you to be seen as a, as a, as a male writer also, that'd be interesting to yeah, kind of float me, that question. Yeah. Tell me what audience. you find out. I love that. I think, you know, my, I'm 56 and my husband's 55 and he, you know, grew up a lot, very in the athletic world, you know, doing all kinds of athletic things and then put himself through college and grad school as a fishing guide in Alaska. So a lot of macho, he's not a particularly macho guy, but it's just so interesting to watch the way that even now, you know, after spiritual practice and time and growth and aging, he still has to make jokes about certain tender, vulnerable parts of himself. Mm-hmm. And we can talk about it and we can laugh about it together. But I think that the way that, you know, culture makes up by some estimates, you know, 90% of our personality, you know, we can be aware of it, we can observe it, but it's still in there working us, right? Yeah. Um, so a lot of, a lot of compassion for it, a lot of laughter about it. That's what I find helps, you know? Very interesting. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, well, you, you've, you've mentioned Buddhism and of course I'm a huge fan of, uh, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce her name correctly, but Pima Chodron. Yeah, you did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, as my daughter would say, she says phew with an F on the end. I love that. <laughs> um, so I adopted it, but, um, I, I love a lot of what she talks about and I've turned back to her recently more and more. Um, you know, I grew, I did grow up in Boulder. So I grew up, um, around 
Right at the the crossroads. The <laughs> <laughs> of uh, yeah, of course. Um, my father was on the board at uh, Naropa, oh my and um, my sister w- was uh, did a did like a dance therapy degree there, uh, which she did, of course doesn't use at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so um, I was exposed to Chogyong Trungpa Rinpoche and Pima Chodron and. And, uh, you know, the Shambhala Institute's there. But I love what she talks about, about, you know, and there's this thing about, I think, I'm sure that so many writers run up against, including, you know, the adaptive stuff and the neurobiology piece. There's a lot, there's a lot of moving parts to, to, to the human brain, right? So we can get derailed so easily. And unfortunately in this, you know, very, um, strange time in history it's more it's easier than ever to be distracted because <laughs> we have outrage we can go be outraged for uh, right. the afternoon so <laughs> i did that during my lunch period today. <laughs> <laughs> right and it's so easy to get derailed mm. but you know i mean part of getting that getting unstuck piece right is getting back on the track and uh you know i i love what Pima children talks about you know she, very simply that look things fall apart Mm. and then they come back together and then they fall apart again that's just life (laughs) you know get over it it is and when we (laughs) normalize it and this is what i find fascinating when someone comes on one of my writing retreats or is in my community and we talk about this stuff they're like oh my god what and i'll be like what was the biggest takeaway for you you know from this week or this day or whatever it is Oh, that I'm not alone. This is really normal. I'm like, yes, this is called being human. (laughs) And the more we can normalize it, then the less we identify with it. And then we just don't have to have the drama response. We don't have to go somewhere way up the flight, uh, I'm sorry, the defense uh, threat, you know, axis. We don't have to freak out. It saves so much time and energy when I can just go, oh, wow. And I did it today. I was having, I um. I was having some anxiety about some stuff that I have to do and I'm, have, I'm going on vacation for I'm quite a long vacation for us. And there's a lot of work I have to do before I go. And I get into this really driven kind of anxious place. And I just had to stop this morning right at my desk, close my eyes, put my hand on my heart and welcome the feelings and welcome the experience and remind myself that the reason why I'm feeling this way is because I care so much. I want to make sure I do a good job on the book I'm writing and get it to the people, the beta readers are going to read it while I'm gone. I want to do a good job on the teaching I have to do before I leave and the reading of students' work. And, you know, I just had to like welcome that, those feelings and greet them and breathe. And, but I didn't want to do that. I wanted to get all dramatic about it. Right. (laughs) I wanted to be like, oh, poor pitiful me. And there's so much to do and I'll never get it done. And it's like every time I walk away from that with compassion, but don't, I don't override my experience. I mean, for me, one of the biggest things, one of the biggest things I've learned as a human and a writer is to welcome my experience without fusing with it, uh, without identifying with it. And every time I practice it, which hopefully is several times a day, since those kind of feelings come up for me a lot. Uh, performance. Are you going to be smart enough? Are you going to do good enough? Is this, you know, people are going to be disappointed. Um, I, 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 I learned that this is just the narrative my brain is telling me hmm. and it may or may not be true, but there's no way for me to control it. There's no way for me to know. 
I just have to keep showing up the best I can. And I'm going to show up a lot better with a calm brain. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's uh, so important. And, you know, I know that um, so many of us are just, you know, can just spin off and, and uh, it's so easy right now. But uh, it is important to come back to the center and take a deep breath and, you know, forgive yourself for <laughs> being human. And, and I don't know, I mean, you know, how to sleep, I think plays a big part in it as well, getting good sleep. Um, but I think meditation is also a, a hugely helpful uh, piece for the, for the creativity part, right? Because you're doing some of the, uh, your brain is doing some of the work for you while you're Mm -hmm. I mean, that default mode network, which, mm -hmm. which has been proven by, you know, neuroscience to, to work, not, not necessarily from a, a spiritual standpoint, but that's probably nice to, to uh, come back to also. I, I totally, yes. And I also think that at the minimum, what every writer needs to do is turn off every single one of those doggone notifications. Yeah. You don't want them on your computer and you don't want them on your phone. If there's one thing you do after you listen to this, if they've crept back in because you updated huh. your operating system or you've got a new computer, go turn them off now. I don't care how hard it is to find them. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny because I totally upgraded my operating system on my Mac and they came they're back. Then, right? Oh my God. They came back with a vengeance and I didn't turn them off. Because it's hard to find them. They're like the earworm episode in Star Trek, right? Yeah. They just creep in there and then they're just like, and you're like, oh, well, and they come across your screen. They come into your private space. And that's what I think of my computer, my office. I have this, I have this small office and it's my private space. I want it to be an environment that isn't invaded by anyone else. There's no, again, no phone, no, no binging, no dinging, no flashing across my screen. <laughs> None of that is allowed. <laughs> this is my space. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's a good point there. And I think I did get to a point where I had turned all the notifications off and then I would allow myself that five minute, um, oh, right. I missed that. but what, <laughs> what I actually turned to you was and because I'm a huge fan of podcasts, obviously, and I listen to a lot of podcasts, uh, was just the five minute uh, NPR <laughs> update. Uh -huh. Like, if I want to get my news, I have to listen to five minutes of NPR. Um, their uh, their broadcast, you know, they do a f exactly five minute broadcast on the hour, every hour. Stop that! Stop that now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't do it on the hour every hour. Okay. I oh, only right. do it once. I only allow myself oh, one okay. one okay. five minute tune in. All right, That's midday great. maybe while I'm eating. Uh, yeah, lunch. I do that. I read the New York Times while I'm eating lunch, yeah. even though I'm trying to stop. I'm really trying to stop. It's like you really don't need to look at the news yeah. every day, and if you do, yeah. you can do it at dinner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it definitely gets my outrage meter going. <laughs> <laughs> well. um, I don't know what you, where else you want to go from here because, you know, you, you've talked about some of the reasons why maybe writers aren't creating consistently, but maybe you want to speak some about, I don't know, maybe authors who are just right at the, you know, right at the start of their kind of journey, um, mm -hmm. maybe some advice to just how to keep going. And I keep, and I actually keep coming back to the book, Keep Going by Austin mm -hmm. Kleon. Uh -huh which I'm a huge fan of Austin Kleon. He's been on the show a couple of times, but you know, he talks about, you know, how creativity really is um, like 
Groundhog's Day, the movie Groundhog Day. Um, how every day is Groundhog Day. Yeah, it's it's you know you need a you need a repetitive process to get anywhere. Yeah, I um, well, I think there's a couple things to keep going, and w- new writers, you know, or old writers like me. And and one thing I've really found is an acceptance. It's essential for me to accept that there are essential recurrent themes in my work. When I finished the first draft of this new book a few weeks ago, I got kind of depressed and everyone was like, oh, it's just postpartum, you know, Mm. and mm, something else is going on. And then I was on a a retreat with a group of business and uh, spiritual people that have been a small group. We've been meeting together for, I don't know, 14 years or something. We get together in person once a year, the rest of the time it's virtual. And we were on our yearly retreat and I, it was my time to talk in the hot seat and I started crying and I was like, Oh, I I get it now. I thought I was going to write something so different. (laughs) I thought Mm. I was going to write like this, this book that was about something completely different. And it's really this this deepening of these themes about women um, finding their sovereignty, finding their voice, finding following their desires, honoring their desires is really what I've been talking about for 28 years for crime in Italy's sake. Oh my God. <laughs> right. And so I really had to kind of grieve that because there is a part of me that likes to innovate and thinks and, and my self-identity. Oh, you're so creative. And but I think there's a way that we keep going by deepening the things that we care about. And we could look at Austin's work and say, "Mm, yeah, really this kind of a similar message in all of those books, right? Mm -hmm. Like create for yourself, you know, uh, fill yourself up with all kinds of interesting people's work, you know, borrow and recombine, um, you know, you know, I love everything he has to say. And I usually read his newsletter every week, Mm -hmm. but there's a similarity to it. And I think sometimes we get, we get tired or we get bored of that. And it's really a way, a place to dig in deeper to our why and, and our iteration. And that might not be true for everybody, or the themes might be much more subtle, but if you, you know, which they can be in fiction. I think the other thing is, is we sometimes lose our way because we're trying to write or about or in a voice or a style that we think we should to be commercial. Mm-hmm. And for some people that totally works. I mean, I have friends who are, you know, top romance authors, you know, really, really the top of the this genre. And they don't mind writing in the same sort of voice over and over again. It's really okay for them. But for others of us, it can really be de- debilitating because we're forcing ourselves. So they're, they're, I'm always asking myself, like, what's genuinely mine to say? What do I really believe? I don't have to be anybody different than I am. And that's pretty particular to me. And sort of, you know, how, what I struggle with, but sometimes that can be of use to people when they want to keep going. I like that. It's a great message. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about what you were up to. Um, I'm going to point of course to jenniferloudon.com, which is your home base, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And you are on Facebook at jenniferloudon.writer, Twitter at Jen Loudon. Uh, and Instagram, Jen Loudon. So uh, you are finishing up a book. So you're sending that out to beta readers. When do you hope to publish said book? Yeah, said said book is going to come out, I think, on May 1st, 2020. And it is the first book I'm going to self-publish. I have been published by The Big Five. I've been published by 
great medium-sized presses. I never, ever considered seriously self-publishing. And I decided to do it with this book because I deeply want to be integrity about this message of sovereignty. Mm. And I have this propensity to hope someone knows better than I do. <laughs> and I have yet to find a publisher who knows better than I do uh, how to really market a book. So I hired a group called Page Two. They're in, um, I believe they're in uh, Vancouver. And they, um, for a fee, they act like a publisher and they're very, you know, have high standards and they only work with, you know, particular, particular thought leaders, that kind of thing. Um, and they're going to help me create the best book I can. And um, I'm absolutely terrified um, to be doing this, but it feels fantastic to be owning the process too. And so I'm trying not to get ahead of myself on all, all the marketing, the launch and all that stuff. Yeah. And really stay with the fact that I have a few more months of uh, really of, of deep work on the book. That's great. And, and congrats on uh, that journey. And I'll be interested <laughs> to hear how it goes for you. Yeah, I'm just starting it. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> deciding to go on it. <laughs> well, I mean, there is that piece about, you know, yeah. not waiting to be chosen. I, I know. It's been huge for me. You know, I had my first book remains my most successful book. And I and I kept trying to recreate that. And while many of my other books also sold very well it never was the same. And so I really lost power in that. I lost, I, I just kept waiting to be chosen again, trying to get chosen again. And I remember it probably was about, I don't know how many years ago that I went, man, I want to choose me and really starting building, really starting thinking of my, my work as a business and thinking about how can I be in control instead of waiting. <laughs> I used to do this. Oh my God, this is so embarrassing to admit, but I would get my royalty check and it would come in this big envelope this was uh, the first four books were all with Harper. So it would be one check and it would come and I would like pray before I opened it as if I could change the <laughs> <year. That's awesome. laughs> that it would be, you know, enough uh, for whatever. So changing that narrative, it took a lot, a lot of time and a lot of effort. And, um, but I'm proud of myself for, for really making a business for myself. I love that. I love that. Well, um, writers can, uh, head over to jenniferloudoncom slash your dash creative dash desire, right? If they want to grab that great, um, get unstuck and back to creating guide. Yeah, it's a great ebook and it's, I think you'll find it really useful and you'll be put on my, I think you have to select to be put on the email list. Right. If you don't want that, don't do that. If you do it, we make it always really easy to unsubscribe on like those tricky, weird people that make you subscribe that just no. pisses me off every time. <laughs> and it's good. I mean, it's an email that goes out every Wednesday, right? Yeah. And um, yeah. So um, opt in for that, get the guide and um, you won't be disappointed. I've been digging into it and it's got some really great stuff in there. Um, so thank oh, you for thank that. You. Oh, thank you. Is there anything else you want to leave listeners with uh, before we sign off here just on, you know, again, we keep coming back to this, but just on how to, get unstuck and, and get back to creating. The negativity bias and its different forms is going to make it so convincing in whatever way it shows up for you that what you want to create isn't going to work, isn't possible, isn't going the way it should. And what I invite you to just do in, in the moment, in the moment of that inner critic nattering on or in the moment of getting really sleepy or finding yourself suddenly in the kitchen, making a really gooey <laughs> <laughs> grilled cheese sandwich, 
Mm -hmm. to just stop right there and ask, is this like, is this my brain trying to keep me safe? Could it be possible that there's another move that I could make maybe after I eat my sandwich that would allow me to go back to creating? Start to intervene in the moment at the level of choice. Don't wait for it to feel comfortable. Don't wait for the writing to meet some outside standard, which by the way, doesn't exist. We could spend the rest of, we could spend the rest of the day talking about our favorite books and arguing about them. <laughs> yeah. That standard of, of who, of what is good enough just doesn't, it's not true. And so start turning back towards what do I want? What do I want to create? What do I want to say? What's genuine for me right now? I think that's a great place to uh, end it. And I do um, thank you for your time and wisdom and wish you all the, the best with the new one. Uh, is there anywhere else you want to point listeners to find you out there? You do conferences and uh, I know, or at least I've, I've heard that you are completely booked out for the year, right? At these retreats that you do. Yeah, we usually fill up pretty darn quick. Uh, occasionally we have someone drop out and um, so the, I, there might be a possibility for October if somebody drops out, but right now everything is sold out. Yeah. 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 But, uh, listeners can go over to jenniferloudon.com, get all the updates and news and, and find out more about the great work that you do there. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this great conversation. Oh, uh, pleasure is all mine. And, uh, I appreciate the inspiration and the, and the free consulting. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us for this half of The Writer Files. And if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review to help other writers find us. You can always leave us a comment or a question and visit the entire archives at writerfiles.fm, where we also humbly ask you to support the show with a secure donation to help us keep going. Just click the little yellow PayPal donate button over at writerfiles.fm. And you can always chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week. And thank you.